Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 138 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and I'm recording this today on uh, Saturday the 22nd of April. Uh, however, the majority of this, of this show was actually recorded earlier this week, because today's episode is actually dedicated to P&O Australia, P&O Cruises Australia, and uh, Chris is their guest and has travelled from Fremantle Return up the WA coast in search of the solar eclipse. And from what I've heard from the audio so far, it's uh, been a pretty impressive journey. Now, to be completely transparent, Chris is travelling as their guest, so this is not a cruise review. He's just sharing his experience as he found it. And also gets to chat to a few people along the way, including uh, some crew, some uh, enrichment lecturers. And uh, I'm glad to say that we're bringing back the Little Cruise Podcast. Yes, the kids are back, and uh, we're going to hear about what they think of their cruise experience as well. Now we've got a lot to get through, so uh, I think we just get the show started. Enjoy! Thanks, Baz, and hello from Pacific Explorer. We're sailing along the uh, Indian Ocean up the coast of Western Australia, heading north to Exmouth. We're just far enough out now that you can't see land anymore, but the ship will be arriving uh, off Exmouth in a few days' time to witness the solar eclipse, and Exmouth on the WA coast is actually positioned really well to see the totality um, in that eclipse event. It's a hybrid eclipse, so depending on where you are um, situated, you'll see, see different things. And so the ship's taking us up to uh, the best position to witness the totality of that event. Now, before I go on, I should say that we would like to send out a huge thank you to p Cruises in Australia for organizing uh, the accommodation on board the ship for this event, for the Big Cruise podcast. I'm very fortunate to be traveling on this uh, cruise, thanks to P&O Cruises. And they've also added in a few extras for us to sample in order to uh, share with you, um, the listeners, what it's like to be on board a P&O Australia ship. So there is, of course, a full array of activities, but those little extras include some of the P&O Edge experiences, as well as access to some of the P&O specialty restaurants, which P&O have put on for us, which is very much appreciated. Now, speaking of the uh, P&O Edge experience, that's the most exciting thing that happened today, day one at sea, when we participated in the zip line, which is one of those edge experiences. It takes you on a, on a zip line uh, across the top of the ship, from the forward mast all the way down to an area just near the funnel uh, and you get uh, a pretty thrilling ride as the as uh, you go over the swimming pools there um, and you get to see all the passengers sort of waving up at you as you make your way down the zip line. So that was really exciting and the first of those edge experiences that we were able to um, sample today uh, on board the ship. 
Now, this is day one at sea. Uh, yesterday was embarkation day, and the ship embarked and is in, dis as in fact disembarking passengers in Fremantle. So it's a round-trip voyage, which is quite unusual for Fremantle. Don't usually get um, the PNDO ships doing an awful lot of round-trip voyages out of Fremantle, but Pacific Explorer has been doing a few Fremantle cruises. Now, the embarkation was a little bit different because Pacific Explorer was um, a little bit late coming into Fremantle, a little bit later than what was uh, usual for these embarkation days. So we actually boarded the ship towards the late afternoon and into the early evening, meaning that when you came on board the ship, uh, you found your cabin, uh, put down your things that you brought on board, and then were able to sort of head straight into uh, the evening entertainment. So we uh, ended up having dinner in the pantry, which is the P&O, uh, I guess the alternate take on a buffet, instead of it being that traditional buffet, there's different food station areas, it was super busy as you can imagine, everybody coming in uh, from uh, embarkation wanting to get something to eat, they had the pantry and the waterfront open, I think Luke's was, al Luke's was also open, and speaking of that, Luke's is one of the specialty restaurants, 400 Grady is another one, they're now both fully open for sit-down meals. They had been offering takeaway only up until uh, just recently, so it's nice to see them now fully operational again uh, as cruising continues to go from strength to strength. Now, the uh, ship actually pulled away at about 9.30 last night. She uh, made a, a very quiet departure, actually. I was standing out on the balcony in the cabin that we, that we have and uh, noticed a tugboat next to us and then kind of realised that we were actually moving away from the pier. So we headed up and uh, watched the sail away out of Fremantle and then uh, were able to enjoy some of the uh, amenities on board the ship. They had the, the bars and lounges open and people were sort of finding their way around the ship for the first time. Many first time travellers checking the ship out and you can kind of tell who's been here before and who hasn't by how well they're able to navigate the ship on those first few hours uh, of the cruise. Now the, the next day of course which was today we woke up had a, a lovely uh, start to the day with breakfast in the waterfront restaurant uh, really nice uh, attentive service from the from the team there and then made our way around the ship did a full ex exploration of the ship I've been on board before of course but it is always nice to have a little walk around and if you're interested in what this ship's like we've done uh, previous uh, videos and tours of the ship Baz and I were both on the return to cruising uh, voyage back in in May of last year so just shy of 12 months ago and so there's a, a full podcast about what it's like to to be on board Pacific Explorer in our back catalogue, but you can also find a, a video tour of Pacific Explorer on my YouTube channel, which takes you on a full tour of the ship. So it was always uh, always very nice to come back and, and be in familiar surroundings. Now, I travelled on Pacific Explorer uh, back in February as a guest speaker, but this time I'm here just uh, to, to take everything in as part of the podcast and to share it with you. Uh, but there are a lot of great speakers on board this particular trip, They've made a big focus on having uh, speakers who are specialists in the eclipse events, so people who can talk about astronomy and about the stars and about the sun and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we attended one of the lectures today, which was uh, a great introduction to how to use telescopes and something that uh, was very useful given that they're going to be doing some on-deck uh, stargazing later in this voyage. So today has been, a, as I say, a very uh, fun day at sea. It's been quite exciting to do the zip lining. Um, tomorrow I'm going to try out the water slides on board. Uh, we actually also have the Titanic experience that's been booked for us by P&O. Again, very grateful for that. So that's when we get to go to the front of the ship and stand right at the bow, a bit like Leo and um, uh, what was it, Jack and Fabrizio, I think it is, on the Titanic movie. They stand at the front and do the I'm the King of the World. You can do that here too. And that's another one of those uh, special extra tariff experiences that P&O has kindly put on for the Big Cruise podcast so we can share that experience with you. So um, that's all for me from today, but I'll be bringing you further updates uh, throughout this trip. So I'll get straight back to it. Hello from day two at sea and what a great day it's been but before I go into detail about what we've been up to today I really should touch base on dinner last night because it was fantastic. It was at Angelo's which is the Italian themed restaurant on board the ship. You enter into the restaurant and the reception desk is actually a converted Vespa 
uh, where the staff stand there and then they greet you really nicely. You get taken to um, a table. We, we had a, a table for four, four of us uh, dining together and it was really fantastic. The service that was provided to us was top-notch. We had a fantastic uh, waiter um, by the name of Casey and she looked after us really, really well um, and tailored the experience to our taste, which was really nice. Uh, the meals were, were great. The, the menu is fantastic. I think the tiramisu was probably the um, shining star of the night, although I, I am quite a fan of the tiramisu, so um, I guess I'm a little bit biased in that respect. But um, all of the meals there, the food we had, the I, well, I had the gnocchi as my main course, um, some really delicious breads as well to start things off. Um, and again, as I mentioned, the service was fantastic. Now, day two today, well, what an exciting day it's been. We had a beautiful day at sea, uh, beautiful calm weather, and we're sailing up the coast towards uh, Exmouth, uh, getting closer and closer to the big event uh, on Thursday. Now, the, uh, the day started off, there's, there's lots of lecturers on board the ship, lots of speakers uh, from uh, various different institutions, whether it's uh, the university, I think there's the University of Sydney on board, I think there's representatives from universities in Queensland, they've also got people from the um, Astronautical, Astro, Astrological Society of Australia, I should say, if I can get my words out, um, who are doing presentations uh, on board the ship and helping people understand uh, astrophysics, uh, astronomy and also um, the eclipse itself. So lots of entertainment and lots of great speakers to, to enjoy. So there were some lectures on board that I, that I participated in and that was really fun and uh, very, very interesting. Uh, spent some time up on deck at the water slides, which was really fun. Uh, there's two big water slides here uh, on Pacific Explorer. There's a, a light blue one, which is uh, you can kind of see throughout the entire trip on the way down. It's all kind of illuminated in there. And then there's a dark blue one, which has colored strips of light inside so you kind of go through almost like a rainbow um uh, sort of feeling as you're going through the going through the water slide there's music playing inside it and then it goes all dark at the end before you splash out at the bottom it's it's great fun um adults and kids alike are having a fantastic time with that um the the ship itself lots of activity around the ship there's uh live musicians there's a really great uh duo uh the box duo and they do um uh, singing and uh, and there's a, one of them is a guitarist and they play at various venues around the ship. Uh, there's also uh, you know lots of different uh, activities throughout the ship as well. Uh, the the whole entertainment program was in full swing. Um, one of the great things about P and O is the fun and casual atmosphere. And uh, cruise director Frankie, who I'm going to be speaking to later in the podcast, he does a great job with his team of making uh, all the entertainment accessible and really enjoyable for everybody. So there's the cruise director's trivia, which is a very different take on trivia. It's an absolute hoot. It's fantastic and really fun. Uh, and uh, you can win some ship prizes, S-H-I-P prizes, um, which they which they give away at the trivia if you've if you've won or your team's won. So tomorrow's the big event. Uh, we we are just back now from having dinner at four hundred Gradi, uh, which was which was great. It was a lovely um, pizza restaurant. It's open now. It was uh, only serving takeaway last time I was on board the ship, but now you can go in there and sit inside and and have a sit down meal. Uh, the margarita pizza is absolutely superb and the meatballs as well were really good with a side of garlic bread. Everyone's very excited about what's happening tomorrow though, uh, which of course is the big day, the reason why we're all here to see that hybrid eclipse. So I'll be coming to you again from the ship tomorrow with some updates from the eclipse. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Well, I don't know about you listeners, but I am a little bit jealous, that is for sure. Thanks, Chris, for for the update so far. Uh, Next up, we have got what is always my favourite part of any podcast, when we can weave it in. Uh, We've got some families that have uh, kindly allowed their children to speak to us. Neville and Rocky will be joining us in just a moment. But before then, we thought we'd uh, have a little chat with Conrad to find out about the great kids' club facilities on board P&O Australia. 
So I'm here with Conrad, who is the Youth Activities Manager on board Pacific Explorer. Conrad, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, not a problem. Very happy to be here. So for people who are new to the whole idea of either P&O Cruises Australia, because we have an international audience, they might not know about the brand, or people who just have a family and are thinking about taking a cruise for the first time, what is it that the Kids Club offers on board the ship that they might find interesting? So we have four different uh, kids clubs on board. We have Turtle Cove, which is two to five-year-olds, uh, Shark Check for six to nine, HQ for 10 to 13s, and HQ Plus for 14 to 17s, mm-hmm. where every day we're offering different types of activities between active games inside the center for the teens. We take them outside to do sports and different active games outside, uh, arts and crafts, music instruments, uh, anything you can think of, tons of PlayStation games, air hockey, foosball, table tennis, you name it, we have it. Um, but we also try and bring different things. So every night we do evening events with the kids. So Turtle Cove, because they're so little, everything is like a dance party or anything like that. And our different themes of like dinosaurs, outer space. Tonight we're doing an under the sea party. And then we also follow all the fam- or all the regular piano activities. So we have kids Gatsby parties that we do inside mm-hmm. the centers. Yep. Uh, family Bianco parties that we do outside the centers as well with our mascots TC and Skipper. And then we have our production show for TC and Skipper as well. Awesome. And who would TC and Skipper? They are our two kids club's mascots, so we have TC the turtle, who is a mascot for Turtle Cove, and then Skipper the shark, who is our shark shack mascot. Oh, fantastic, yes, that's for the younger kids. Yes, and they make appearances, we bring them out during Sail Away, Bianco, and like I just said, the production show TC and Skipper Island Adventure. Sure, so tonight's a Bianco night, so what does that, like the Bianco party for the kids, what does that entail? Uh, so normally we do a family activity, um, where we have the entire Lido deck, we'll do like soda coits, white face painting, and then we'll do a giant dance party and that's about an hour long with all the families who want to join us um and we'll do some different deck games for the kids for the adults um and it's a great time yeah it sounds really fun so when it comes to the um you know you've got the age ranges then the different um areas on the ship with the different sort of offering what's the capacity like and every kid who comes on board come to the kids club we have lots of kids who don't come to Kids Club, um, and that's fine because we also try as best we can to offer family activities throughout the ship. Mm-hmm. But for the centers, uh, we can fit, depending on the ships and the rooms, anywhere between 60 and 80 kids in the centers. Okay, yeah, Which cool. is surprising because they don't look that big, but no. they all fit. <laughs> you do a great job. And when it comes to families who maybe are traveling with siblings and that, what's some of the benefits for, for families when the siblings can both go together to a Kids Club activity? It just gives those families that peace of mind that there's going to be no separation anxiety. And we do, we are able, depending on the cruise and how many kids we have, we can play with numbers a bit and move sort of like a nine-year-old can step up to Shark Shack if we're able to, or a 10-year-old can come down or depending on what ages we have. So they can stay together if they're close enough in age. Yeah. Yep. And I guess there must be a lot of benefits for mom and dad to have the kids club on hand. Uh, if they wanted to have a you know night out uh, together, they can leave the children with you. Yeah. So they can... Drop, drop them off with us. Parents can then go have a night out. For the teens clubs, um, it's a bigger peace of mind for parents because we're open till 1 a.m. for no extra charge. And then for the little ones, we do close at 9.30, but then we're open till 1 a.m. So if parents want to do have a late night, we have a service for $10 an hour mm. where they can stay with us the entire night. Oh, cool. And um, for the older kids or the teens, you know, um, obviously the HQ and HQ Plus would be quite different from the younger kids' activities. What's some of the big most popular things I suppose for them in the um, in the older age category for the older teens or even the younger teens they what I've learned is they just want to be treated almost like an adult but mm. still not quite there yet so we run a lot of the same things that adults do in regular activities with the entertainment staff so we'll do different themed guests at tunes movie trivia music trivias uh, like logo quizzes they also love like we do Wordle and Sudoku every day that mm-hmm. they are obsessed with trying to complete as fast <laughs> as they can <laughs> cool and then f- from your perspective um how do you get into this sort of line of work how did you become a, a youth activity manager is it um you know it's a pretty awesome job i guess to be traveling around the world and being on the cruise ships and getting to meet lots of different people yeah it's been an absolute whirlwind of a career i started almost 10 years ago now working in a different cruise line but it started because i had my appendix taken out and while i was watching eat pray love on Mm painkillers I had a panic attack that I was stuck in my hometown for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) and so I very quickly applied the next day uh, for the first cruise line worked for them for about three years and then I swapped over to P&O and it's been so much fun ever since P&O is such a small family company Mm. because we only have the three ships I can go to any ship and I know 
at least a hundred of the crew members there, even if I don't know them personally by name, I know their face. Mm -hmm. And I started as a staff here. Last contract when we did our return to service after coming back after COVID, came back as a staff, met with some of the people from head office, put the word out that I do want to move up. This is what I did during COVID. What are the next steps? And then unfortunately I did get COVID on board. Um, and while I was away, I got the phone call that I'd be moving up when, once I got released. Oh, fantastic. Well, it was good to see that you've, you've managed to, to do that and definitely no risk of being stuck in your hometown forever now. <laughs> yes. Because obviously was, we're cruising off the coast of Australia. It, which is very far from my hometown, which is just outside Niagara Falls, Canada. Oh, wow. Okay. And you mentioned that you'd been on the other ships. Uh, they're offering quite similar as well? They offer... Everyone offers the same similar programs, but depending on who the youth manager and who the youth staff are, because we're so small, we can sort of be individual for how we run. So, like, for example, I have a Science at Sea program that's my baby that I've been working on. So right now it's just on the Pacific Explorer, where kids get to participate in fun science activities. Mm -hmm. And then if I move to the either Pacific Encounter or Adventure then it will follow me to that ship. Oh, fantastic. Oh, great. Well, thanks so much, Conrad. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. No, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Now for the Little Crows podcast. This is Neville from the Kids Club. What do you think of the ship? I think it's really, really good. Um, I really liked the air hockey at the Kids Club. Yeah, and what other games have you been playing there? I've been playing like Connect Four and these little block things that you get to build. Cool, and have you had a go on the water slides? I've had four goes on the water slide. Which one do you like best, the blue one or the dark blue one? I like the dark blue one better. Why is that? Because it goes much faster. That's cool. And what's your favourite thing about this ship so far? I have lots. Maybe the water slides? Yep. And what about the food? I think I found my favourite restaurant, Angelo's. And why is that? Just because I really like the pasta. What kind of pasta was it? It was um, spaghetti bolognese with no onions or mushrooms. And did you get allowed to have dessert? Did your parents let you have dessert? Yep, I had three scoops of ice cream. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your trip, mate. Thank you. So I've got another kid here called Rocky who wants to have a chat with us about his experience on the ship. Hey Rocky, what do you think about the Pacific Explorer? It's really, really fun. Yeah, what's your favourite part of the ship so far? The water slide. And why is that? Because it goes really fast. Yeah, it goes really fast. And is there any other water activities you're enjoying? There's a water park and a spa and a pool. That sounds pretty cool. And your parents told me you did something very exciting yesterday. What was that? You went ziplining? Was that exciting? Mm-hmm. Yeah? You're all the way up there? You must have been very brave. Yeah. Yeah? And what was your favourite part about ziplining? The bit when I was flying everywhere. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Hey. <laughs> yeah? And have you been using the kids club here? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. What's your favourite thing to do there? Air hockey and Minecraft. Did you do a Lego activity yesterday? Yeah. They had that on in the Bondi room. Was that fun? Yes. Yeah? Are you looking forward to the eclipse? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks so much for talking to me. Enjoy the rest of your cruise. Okay. So it's currently five minutes to 11 in the morning, and we are anchored in Exmouth Bay, and the solar eclipse has started. Um, looking through the uh, solar glasses that have been provided to us by the um, by the ship, by P&O and the um, Astronomical Society of Australia, you can see the moon passing in front of the sun. It's quite remarkable, and the colour at the moment of the of the daylight is starting to go into sort of like a slightly more, I guess, faded kind of light. Uh, sort of, I guess, what it would be like at the beginning of, of sunset, but a little bit different to that. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of strange, kind of hard to describe, but um, we're all on deck now. The ship's got uh, a lot of open deck spaces, heaps of people up here uh, to witness this event, uh, and we're about uh, probably about 35 minutes away from totality. So it's, um, it's looking like it's going to be a really great day. Clear skies, and I'll come back to you in a few moments from uh, the ship when we are at totality.
hello again and wow this is amazing we are in totality and it's the strangest light there's obviously no direct sunlight and yet there's kind of a glow around the horizon it's dark but it's a different kind of dark to twilight or to um, sunset or sunrise it's really amazing anyway i'm going to enjoy the rest of this uh, one and a bit minutes in totality and come back to you after the event has finished what an absolutely amazing day this was it's really hard to put it into words quite how uh remarkable a total solar eclipse is it is just unbelievable to be able to um, see the sun's corona to see the way that the sky changes color that the the light that is emitted during the eclipse gives this kind of sort of semi-dark kind of eerie overall feeling but at the same time it's magical and it's quiet and it's special sharing it with the people on the ship there's obviously a lot of people here up on deck but everyone was being very respectful being very uh, calm and just taking in the moment and of course when the sun started to appear they, they announced that you need to put your um, sun protective eyewear back on uh, of course um, it should it should always be noted you never look at the sun directly it's extremely dangerous so the company here um pando they they provided everybody with um with uh, special sun viewing glasses uh which were um you know it was explained to us how to wear them but when th when they made the call that you need to put them back on because the eclipse was coming to an end uh there was this big cheer throughout the ship uh, you could hear it on all parts of the ship with everybody um, celebrating the fact that we just witnessed something remarkable. Uh, great to have commentary as well throughout the event. There was uh, people on the bridge talking to us about what we were experiencing and what was going to be happening throughout the eclipse um, and uh, the different things to see because you could also actually during totality you could see the shining lights um, of Jupiter and Mars as well which was again quite remarkable to see. Um, later in the day, we actually did the Titanic experience, which is one of the edge events on board the ship. This is where you can go to the very bow of the ship and actually stand right there on the bow with your arms out. And uh, if you want to, you can shout out, I'm the king of the world. Or in the case of today, it's more like I'm the king of the universe because we've just witnessed an eclipse. <laughs> it's a bit bigger than the world. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was great fun. And uh, um, fantastic to to have the opportunity to go up to the front of the ship there and stand on the very very bow tip of uh, of the ship on Pacific Explorer. So thank you so much once again to P&O Cruises for providing access to those experiences. Tonight just had dinner in Luke's uh, absolutely superb experience. The uh, the staff there were so welcoming. The food, the menu, it's just it's brilliant. There was. Um, you have an opportunity to have uh, tapas if you want. Uh, there's some starters, and then there's the main courses. For me, I had the arancini, uh, which was very, very delicious, and then moved on to the barramundi with sides of um, some uh, mixed greens and as well as uh, some fries. The barramundi was so well cooked, it was just fantastic. Uh, and then for dessert, I actually had um, the lemon curd and meringue dessert, which is a signature special there. And it was probably amongst the top of my favorite uh, cruise ship desserts. It was just brilliant. And again, we're so well looked after by the staff. So very much appreciate that. And once again, thank you um, to the team here on board Pacific Explorer and also to P&O Cruises for allowing us to share that. And I've taken some pictures of the food, which I, of course, will put in the show notes. So I'll ask Baz to put them in the show notes for you to have a look at what it all looks like there on board the ship. Uh, hopefully you were able to check out uh, the podcast's Facebook and Instagram pages to see pictures of the eclipse. Um, I will also send them to Barry so they can be popped into the show notes. I did manage to get one photograph of the sun during totality. Uh, it's by no means going to be an award-winning uh, sun photo uh, photograph, but it's uh, my, my favourite, my, my best uh, shot, and it's the one that I'm, um, uh, you know, able to share which is nice because you get to see uh the corona of the sun in there even though it's uh, it's only taken with the standard camera standard dslr so hopefully that's enjoyable for you tomorrow last day at sea um hopefully it's going to be speaking to a few other members of the ship's company to have a bit of a chat about some of the different activities and events on board the ship uh, and i'll bring you a final wrap up in just a few moments but until then over to you baz subscribe now 
rate and review on your favourite podcast platform. So I'm joined by Frankie, who's the cruise director here on board Pacific Explorer. Frankie, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, So your job, it's a pretty dynamic job, it looks like. You're pretty much everywhere at all times on board. But for people who aren't familiar with a cruise director and what the job entails, what's sort of a day in the life of Frankie on board the ship? Oh, how long do you have? <laughs> um, the the tradi- traditional role of a cruise director is is um, head of department for the entertainment, so providing the entertainment programme throughout the entire ship for all of our guests, um, and is the person that is the most high-profile person on the ship, um, I suppose, apart from the captain. Um, it's it's the person that um, is around most of the day with the, with the entertainment team, hosts the main shows in the evening, and is kind of like the, the M, see the, the sort of main face and voice around the ship um, but it's sort of twofold because you have the guest facing um, activities and job role and then you also have the sort of behind the scenes um, team management planning the schedules for the cruise ahead uh, and just looking after the the, the, wide, the wider team on board so it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a twofold job it is full on but it's incredibly rewarding yeah. um, and it's and for me um, it's it's nice to look out to the crowd and to see everyone's happy faces mm. and joining in with the activities and all the shows that we do so it's it's yeah. it's a it's a fun job um and it, it does take yeah all day all night yeah <laughs> i imagine you must have very late nights <laughs> um like last time i was on board the ship you were cruise director here i was part of the guest entertainment program as a guest speaker so yeah. just came on for a few days but then you also have people who are here long term who do long term contracts to run you know events things quizzes and bingo and all that sort mm. of stuff so what's it like sort of balancing those two different types of people because you obviously have a lot of people coming on for just short periods of time and then ones who are here as part of sort of the bigger family yeah i mean well we have um, our entertainment team that the bulk of the entertainment team is on a contract base so they'll be here for maybe four five or six months and that's things like our in-house band, our crew staff um, who do all the daytime activities and the evening activities. We also have our show teams, so our singers and dancers. Uh, we also have the um, the ship's show band, which is on contract base. But also all of our back of house roles that you don't see. So our production team uh, backstage, our sound lighting technicians, um, our in-house DJ. But we also have visiting bands. And that's one of the things I love about PO Australia is that we're able to bring on local talents depending mm. on where our home port is. Um, so, for example, on the Explorer for the past few months, we've gone from um, Melbourne round to Adelaide. We're now out of Fremantle. We're heading around to the north um, to Darwin in a place called Cairns, if I said that correctly <laughs> as a Scotsman. Um, so we're able to bring on visiting bands who will come on for a cruise or two cruises uh, and we're able to sort of show local talents mm. and, and support a local music um, community with yeah. that. So it's, um, it, and it's really refreshing as well. It's great to have the stability of those on contract, but it's also quite nice to have different bands come on in different ports. Oh, fantastic, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really cool about this is it's got that sort of local Australian flavour as well. But you think about Pacific Explorer as a ship unto itself, because obviously there's three ships in the fleet. What makes this ship stand out for you in terms of its onboard atmosphere it's offering to passengers? I think given that this is sort of one of the... I wouldn't say original ones, but mm. the, the one that's left in this sort of class of size. This is a mid-sized cruise ship. Mm-hmm. The cruise ships now are much larger. The other two ships in our fleet, the Adventure and the Encounter, are, are equally phenomenal. Mm. But they have a, they have a diff- it's a different style of ship. Yeah. Um, so this, the Explorer offers a little bit of that sort of traditional feel. Um, it's not so big. It's a little bit more intimate. Um, and and I, I think for me, what's been really nice is because Explorer has been able to circumnavigate Australia mm. and move move around we've been able to meet different people from different parts of Australia and feel the the difference in community and cultures and and even regional accents and mm. things like that so it's it's sort of an evolving it, the Explorer tends to evolve as it moves as it moves around, yeah, sure. um, and of course it is it is one of the the original sizes um, of, of of cruising life so it, it has that more intimate feel yeah and I mean, that's it. She's just making sort of uh, an impact in all the different places she's visiting. Mm-hmm. Last time I think I was here, we, we left from New Zealand, so it was a very different sort of crowd of people on the east coast of Australia. Now we've got lots of people from WA, which is really exciting. Yeah. And that sort of leads me into thinking about the voyage we've just been on because it's a special event. It was 
designed around the eclipse. What kind of goes into organizing something that's so focused on a particular event and particularly yesterday, you know, the actual totality is about a minute. That's the whole mm. cruise leads up to this point. And yet everyone's still out there doing things, having fun today after the sort of excitement of the, of the main event. What goes into all of that? It is a big process. Um, it's a long process. We've been incredibly thankful to have been um, in partnership with Swinburne University. So mm. we've got a lot of professors, doctors, um, and, and those astronomers, astrophotographers, you know, those that are leading workshops mm. that know exactly what they're talking mm. about. So we've been able to provide a program throughout the entire cruise of presentations and speakers and workshops. And there was m multiple uh, Teams calls and conference calls and planning you know, with our office in Sydney, but also with, with the, the folks from Swinburne University and Sky and Telescope as well, the, yep. the, the group that are on board just now. So collectively, we've all been able to come together over the, 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 the weeks leading up to this to mm -hmm. put the program together. But what we also wanted to do was to be able to provide the traditional P&O Cruises mm -hmm. um, product as well so that guests are coming on predominantly for the eclipse mm -hmm. and for the astronomy side of things but we wanted to be able to show those folks who maybe don't normally cruise with us what it is like to come on a P&O cruises vacation. Yeah. So we also put in a lot of our traditional activities, our themed party nights like Bianco party, yeah. Gatsby party, etc. Um, and yeah, it, on D-Day, it was the most phenomenal atmosphere. Yeah. And I think what was interesting for me was that, that you know, everybody was collectively in, in the same mood to, to see this phenomenal event. But from a company's perspective, I thought it was amazing that we were the only sort of large ship in that area, yeah. plastered with P and O across our funnel, you yeah. know. And it was just, it was just such a great testament to 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 be involved in something so iconic and so mm. worldwide that the, all the eyes of the world were on that eclipse, and, yeah. And we were there yeah you know i just thought it was it was and the atmosphere was phenomenal i i mean you were out on deck as well yeah. you know when we had the the totality the awes the gasps and then the applause of when it happened and it I, was actually quite emotional it was yeah. I, I was um i'd done a sort of when the when the event was starting i did a little broadcast which the listeners would have just heard and then um when totality start uh, happened get so kind of overwhelmed by what you're seeing and I was like oh I've got to do something for the podcast yeah yeah you <laughs> forget you're so busy watching yeah. it only lasts for a minute but it's so um, the lead up and the way that the light changes to a way that is not like sunset it's not like sunrise it's no. completely different mm -hmm. it was unique and I think that's really interesting because this is an Australian, all eyes are focused on Australia, a West Australian thing with a P&O ship. There's Americans on board, I believe. Like, there's a whole international group of people here that you don't normally see on those local WA-based cruises. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, we've got about 40% of Americans and Brits compared to our normal sort of 90, 95% of Australian market. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been quite refreshing. Um, but there's, there's a balance of you know, portraying who we are mm. and showing those folks that have come over to Australia predominantly for the eclipse and they've chosen to come on our cruise, which is phenomenal. Mm. Um, but we haven't shaken it up too much. Mm. We've wanted to give the authentic P&O cruises experience to those that have come from, you know, far and wide. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've stuck to our traditions and we've, we've you know, we've, we've um, done all the entertainment and the activities and even things like, you know, the our uh, questions and trivia or mm. you know things that are very australian based and i think it's been embraced by those that have yeah. come from afar i was going to say um anyone who's traveled here from other countries who aren't used to this company and go back to the other cruise lines they're not going to look at trivia the same way again because you guys do it so well here <laughs> <laughs> it is piano cruises australia is it is um very unique in terms of who they are and, and, and who they want to be. Um, I've done many, privileged to work for many different companies around the world, whether it be the British market, the American market, mm -hmm. um, in America or in the Mediterranean. Um, but it, Australia has a very relaxed feel to cruising. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's non-traditional. We do yep. keep a little bit of the element of the traditional cruising, uh, but cruising industry in, in itself was changing up to the pandemic mm -hmm. and even more so after the pandemic mm -hmm. yep. it's far more popular um and it's not as formal as some people may think yeah. so if someone hasn't done it before and think to themselves oh i don't want to get dressed up in a dicky bow tie every night and mm. have to it, it we don't do that here no. it is very much a relaxed atmosphere there are a few traditions that we keep 
but it is just about coming on board, relaxing into holiday and experiencing the ship because the ship is a destination as well as the ports of call that we visit. And I hear um, on the grapevine that you're moving from here after a break to Pacific Adventure. What are you most looking forward to about being on one of the Grand Class ships? Um, it's... Oh, that's a good question. It, it'll be a different experience and there's far more, there's many more guests to entertain. There's a larger team. So we've got a bit more of a, a wider scope to do a bit more, you know, inventive things. Um, I've worked on the Grand Class ships before with a different company, okay. P&O UK. Oh, so wow. yeah. I'm, I'm very, you know, well aware of, of their size and, and, their, and their abilities. Um, and I think for me, the job is the job. Mm -hmm. um, and I give... 100% as as well as all we always do mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it doesn't really matter what ship you're on yeah, sure. um, but it'll be good for me to be based out of one home port I'll, I'll be based out of Sydney yep. um, on a personal note I've been incredibly lucky since joining Pino Australia because since the end of January up until the end of my contract at the end of May I've circumnavigated yeah, Australia how cool. in one contract which is incredibly cool I landed in Brisbane and I've gone right round the south you know, up to the west and across the top. And mm. when I leave in Cairns, I'll be flying back to Brisbane to then fly out back to Scotland. So that's been amazing. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm also looking forward to coming back to the adventures. I'll be based out of Sydney. I can then have a bit of a home port yep. and explore a bit more Sydney and have a bit more time to do that. So incredibly lucky and I'm looking forward to it. That's great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. My I appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Cheers. You're welcome. So one of the most important parts of this particular cruise was a robust entertainment program that included having representatives from various different fields, including astrophysics and astronomy, to talk to us about the universe, about space, and about the, uh, the eclipse itself. And I'm joined by uh, Professor John T. Horner, who is a professor of astrophysics at the University of South Queensland. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So it's really interesting to, to have an astrophysicist on board the ship. For most people who don't you sort of deal with astrophysics on a daily basis, how would you describe the role? What's a day in the life of John D. Horner? Well, I work at a university, so my life is kind of split into three main parts. I do a lot of teaching, that's part of the work. I teach two astrophysics courses there, one at first level, which is beginner level, mm -hmm. and one at second level, which is like intermediate level. That's how we work through. About 60% of my time in theory, according to the books, is meant to be spent on research, but mm -hmm. in reality it's a bit less than that. Okay. And whilst you'd think an astronomer spends their life up at night looking at the sky, I'm more of a theorist, so I spend the grand majority of my working time in front of a computer during the day time. Okay. And if I'm out under the night sky, that's really because that's my hobby, as well as my job, so I tend to do the fun stuff on an evening of my own account. And then the remainder of the time is this science communication stuff, which I think is really hugely important. You know, I come from a low socioeconomic background in a place with high unemployment, low aspiration, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for other astronomers giving their time mm -hmm. and going to communities, talking to them, coming to our local astronomy society, mm -hmm. and from seeing role models on TV and on radio. Sure. So the least I can do is give something back and, you know, communicate my passion for my subject. That's fantastic. And you have been part of the um, enrichment program on board here, talking about the various different elements of what we've experienced with the eclipse. Um, clearly, you're a very good public speaker. So what sort of got you into that side of, uh, you know, communication? Why are you passionate about that? Well, I got really lucky. I got interested in astronomy as a very little kid when I was about five years old. But I joined my local astronomical society when I was about eight. And by the age of ten, I was actually giving talks already. Ten? Wow. And this, <laughs> that was a beautiful introduction. And the people at the society were so supportive of this annoying kid that came and asked all the questions mm. and wanted to go at speaking. But it meant I got into it and got the hang of it before this kind of thing, whether it's an interview or whether it's a talk became scary you know I hadn't mm. hit the teenage years yet so I had no shame and no embarrassment and if you learn things that young you ne tend never to get that embarrassment and shame I've got a good friend who's a really gifted opera singer who's been giving me vocal coaching sure and she has no embarrassment no shame she's really confident as a singer mm. much the same way I am as a speaker it doesn't trouble her she never gets really nervous get her to public speak, get her to do an interview if she's uncomfortable, get me to sing on a stage in front of people I'm uncomfortable. Exactly. Because it's learning it at a different stage in life yeah. with different things behind it. And I just got lucky that I started young enough to develop a skill and find my voice mm. before feeling the pressure and 
the embarrassment, I guess. Yeah, for the listeners um, listening in at home, we're standing here next to some doors at the back end of the Black Circus in a quiet spot because I completely stuffed up the audio earlier today. So, so um, you've been very kind to give me your time twice. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's good. It's part of the job, and it's good to get the word out there of what we're doing and yeah. spread the word. So this has been such an amazing voyage, um, this event, to have a ship that sailed up to specifically position itself to view the solar eclipse. Um, you've been involved in, obviously, some of the planning of that. Can you just give the listeners a little bit of an idea as to what would have gone into getting the ship in the right spot at the right time? Well, the path of the solar eclipse is always fairly narrow. That's why you don't see total eclipses all over the place. You need the moon and the sun and the earth to line up perfectly, and because the moon is only about the size of Australia, the shadow it casts is small, and the area where the moon and the sun line up perfectly enough for the moon to block the sun varies in size but for this eclipse because this eclipse was nearly a non-eclipse it was nearly not a total eclipse Mm. the moon was nearly too far away that meant that the band across the earth where you could see totality was only 42 kilometers across Mm -hmm. i mean it stretched for thousands of kilometers long but a strip just 42 kilometers wide everywhere else you don't get the total eclipse it's much less impressive much more disappointing Mm. and so the trick is to find somewhere on that band where you will see the best display but where you've got the best chance of clear skies. Mm. Now for this eclipse, the only place on the mainland that was gonna see this was Exmouth. Mm-hmm. And the weather there tends to be fairly good at this time of year, so it made sense for the boat to get up near there. But even 24 hours before the time of the eclipse, they were still working out which side of Exmouth they were gonna be. I think they were yeah. a couple of hundred kilometers apart, the possible locations we could have ended up, all down to where will the weather be the best. Sure. And so that's a big advantage of being on the ship is that you can move to some degree to circumvent the weather. The advantage of being on land is that you get to see all the wildlife reacting to the eclipse. And where we were, there wasn't much wildlife around Mm. us. We were in the middle of the ocean. So it swings and roundabouts, but if it had been a day with temperamental weather, the people on the mainland could have been disappointed and we'd have been able to move to guarantee success. And for somebody who hasn't witnessed an eclipse from land, what, what does the wildlife do when the eclipse happens? Well, in 2012, I went to see the total eclipse up in Cairns and saw nearly all of it, but a cloud came over for totality. (laughs) So this is my first successful eclipse. Sure. But in both of them, both the one in Cairns and the one here, the sky dimming before the totality and brightening afterwards is spooky and eerie. And the wildlife responds. You get animals coming into roost, quietening down. Mm. You get the cicadas and the crickets kicking off because they think it's night time. All of that kind of thing going on around you, you get for about half an hour either side of totality, this kind of period of almost uncanny valley where the shadows are weird. Mm, and it was strange, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. You can't quite put your finger on why until you see it, but mm. what happens is if you've got something that makes like pinholes, mm-hmm. you get shadows that are the shape of the eclipse. Mm-hmm. And when it's just everything casting shadows, all you get is this spooky feel that something is wrong and you're almost in a horror movie. It's yeah. really weird. But there are cool tricks you can do, crossing your hands like in a waffle pattern, you get mm-hmm. the shadows, that's really good. Yeah. Some people were carrying around a famous Australian brand of cheese biscuit, okay. and using the holes in the biscuit as a pinhole <laughs> camera. Oh, were they? And I thought this is brilliant it's because so you've got your scientific equipment, you've got your camera, and if you get hungry, you can eat it. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, dual purpose. Actually, we've got some pictures of my, my hands with the eclipse coming through, yes. so we'll put them in the show notes. Um, do, do you know, do, does sea life behave funny when the eclipse happens as well? I suspect, I don't know for certain, I'm not a biologist, but I suspect the impact is less on sea life because mm. that, that isn't quite as bound to coming into Russo waking up at night. Sure. Um, I suspect for the longer eclipses, perhaps it would do. Now, I, I'm a frequent video, visitor to one of the wonderful islands on the barrier reef, Lady Elliot Island, mm-hmm. and I've always thought it would be lovely to do a night dive. Mm. Now, maybe doing a dive or a swim during a total eclipse would be really fascinating, but, yeah. you know, Eclipses are sufficiently rare and special, you wouldn't want to spend the eclipse underwater. So it's a (laughs) difficult one to judge. Fair enough. And I know I'm I'm keeping you, we're just about to head into another lecture, but you've been one of the people giving presentations on board. Just from your perspective, how important is it now to give that that insight back to the audience and back to people so that they can have a, you know, I guess a better understanding of um, the world around them and the universe that we live in? Well, there's so much to it that's really important. As I said, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for other people giving their time when I was young. And there's a very famous phrase, you can't be what you can't see. Now, as a white male with lots of privilege, I had lots of role models when I was young. And one of the things I've loved about this cruise is we've got a very diverse group of astronomers. Mm. We've got indigenous astronomer on board. We've Mm -hmm. got people who are openly LGBT. We've got 
a large cohort of female astronomers, mm-hmm. and it's a very family-friendly cruise, so we've got a lot of younger people on the cruise sure. who would be looking for role models. And 30 years ago, I was well-suited, mm-hmm. but my female colleagues were. Yeah, there okay. were no examples, and that representation is so vital yep. because you really can't be what you can't see. I grew up not in the levels of poverty that our Indigenous colleagues did, but mm. in a very low working-class area, high unemployment, low aspiration, a really difficult time. Mm -hmm. And the route out of that for me was this passion for astronomy. Mm. And that was made possible in part by the role models and the people who gave the time. So that side of it's really important. But we also live at a time where scientific literacy is getting more and more critical for us Mm -hmm. as well. There's these global challenges that need global solutions. Absolutely. And, you know, we're on a cruise which is not the most environmentally friendly of things. Mm. But it's a very good place to raise awareness of the challenges we face and the way that we can work together to do solutions. And you often don't imagine of astronomy being part of that solution because mm. it's always viewed as being very blue skies research and we're learning about the distant cosmos. But without astronomy, we wouldn't have space flight, we wouldn't have exactly. satellites, and the mm. satellites image the Earth, improve our weather forecasts. At the same time, without astronomy, we wouldn't have other planets' atmospheres to compare to our own to understand what's going on. Mm. But I think the most critical thing, and this is something a lot of the astronomers in the Astronomical Society of Australia do, is developing new techniques and new technologies to do their work that then go on to benefit Mm -hmm. other areas, Mm -hmm. whether it's a better telescope detector or whether it's a better camera, whether it's Wi-Fi, which was developed by people researching black holes. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, we've been using all through the cruise without thinking about it. Mm. And these things will go on and benefit Australia and benefit us in ways we can't even mm. imagine, from spotting bushfires early enough to stop them, to helping find solutions to the challenges of climate change. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're on a boat that is not the most environmentally friendly thing, but we're part of the problem, but we're also part of the solution. And an event like this is part of that communication to make it real mm-hmm. and give people that insight and to be able to work towards a better future. That's well, very inspiring. And I just wanted to say congratulations for such a fantastic series of presentations. and. All the team that uh, you've been working with done a wonderful job of bringing it to us all here. So thank you so much for that and your time today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks for the opportunity to do this. It's just wonderful. Thank you. One of the most exciting things about being on a P&O cruise is the edge experience, which is really quite unique and something that I haven't seen on many other cruise lines around the world. And today I'm speaking with Joe. He's the edge manager here on Pacific Explorer. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm just wondering if you can explain to people, we've got an international audience, so there's a lot of people who won't know the P&O ships uh, in Australia. What is the Edge and what does it offer? Uh, so the Edge is uh, an adventure park at sea, effectively. We run uh, zip lines uh, and all the other adrenaline activities you'd want to see on board, things like abseiling, uh, rock climbing, uh, all sorts of really fun, unique experiences for a cruise ship. Yeah, I think the most visible one that you've got here up on the top deck where we're sitting is the zip line that goes from up on the mast down towards the funnel. Uh, I did that a couple of days ago. It's pretty exhilarating. I mean, that must be one of the favourites. Yeah, that's definitely, I'd say, our most popular activity along with Walk the Plank. Yeah. So what is it? Tell everybody, what is Walk the Plank? So Walk the Plank is a steel beam. It's a very thin steel beam, <laughs> just out over the, uh, the side of our deck 14 aft. Uh, and all it is, is you get yourself strapped up, strapped in, uh, and you make your way out along the plank. Uh, when you get to the end, you lean yourself out and you are hanging over the side of the ship. Yeah, <laughs> so brave people who did that one. I didn't try walk the plank. We were up on the top of the water slides today watching people doing it. It's like, wow, they literally look like they're over the side of the ship. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one for the, uh, not one for the faint of heart, I should say. <laughs> so age range wise, like who, who is suitable for um, participating in the age? Have you got like the youngest one that you've seen and the oldest person who's participated? What does that look like? Yep, so uh, here on the edge, uh, we have a minimum age range of five years old, uh, but we don't have a maximum age range, we just have a record. Okay. Uh, here on board the Explorer, to my knowledge, our record is 94 years old. Wow, 94. Uh, that was a man called <laughs> Philip. He went down the Flying Fox only a couple of months ago. Goodness me, that's amazing. 94, goodness. Um, and there's a lot of families on board the ship. Obviously, it's a family sort of friendly cruise line. As from your experience with families coming on the ship together, what do they like to do from the edge as a group? Uh, families definitely like to get involved uh, with the Flying Fox more than anything, watching uh, or the kids getting to watch their parents, their siblings uh, scream going down a Flying <laughs> Fox, uh, especially if you're the youngest sibling, you're not scared of heights and you're watching your 
absolutely terrified parents go down, uh, the kids just get so much fun out of it. Uh, other ones we have laser tag that we run uh, down in one of our theatres, blackout all the lights, disco lights going on everywhere. Uh, parents getting a chance to shoot at their kids. Sometimes it's just a little bit of stress relief. It's a little bit of fun. Hey. And the kids love shooting back at the parents. We have so much fun now. That's amazing. I didn't even know that existed. So that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, and from your perspective, how did you get into being, well, working for The Edge and being an Edge manager? Uh, so I actually started my career as a kayak instructor back in the UK. Okay. Uh, worked for various summer camps, places like PGL, Kingswood, Robinwood. Uh, and then over time, with the ropes experience that I had, um, I found a, a mentor at one of my sites who worked for PNL Australia in the past. Okay. Had mentioned the edge experience to me, and uh, between my love of travel and, and just the want to see the world, it seemed like a no-brainer to apply and go for it. Yeah, and enjoying living out in Australia and being on the Australian ships. Oh goodness, yeah. The uh, I, I cannot get over the beauty of Australia, New Zealand, the places that we see uh, on board. And I'd never really been to the Southern Hemisphere before okay. joining these ships. So getting to see everything for the first time, whole new fresh set of eyes. Like we're obviously sailing out of Perth at the moment, even on the last couple of contracts I've been on, never been to Western Australia before. To see it all for the first time, to still see new places is just amazing. That's fantastic. And if you had to choose one of the Edge experiences as your favorite, what would it be? Oh, my personal favorite is Walk the Plank. I really enjoy just being on it, even first thing in the morning when I'm going out to set it up, if the you know sun's not long risen into the sky, just getting out there, testing it out for the morning to make sure that it's good for all of our guests. It's just really nice to sit out there. It's a peaceful and nice, calm day. Yeah, and the other one that um, where we met was on the Titanic experience. I mean, that's a pretty unique thing to be able to do, standing right on the bow. That must be pretty popular. Yeah, that's pretty popular. Uh, my singing, not so, but the, the <laughs> Titanic experience itself is very popular. The families love it, the couples love it. Uh, there's just something quite special about being the furthest person out that you can see. There's no ships ahead of you. There's everyone else is behind you. It's a really special moment. Yeah, and have you seen any um, cool wildlife like dolphins and whales from the zip line or from the flying fox or, yeah? Yeah, so uh, I've had, I've done Titanic experiences where we've had dolphins playing in the bow wave. Wow, before. that's so cool. Uh, just today, in fact, on the flying fox, we had a whale uh, appear on our aft. Yeah, I, we saw that from our cabin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Yeah, no, the, uh, the wildlife we've had is really cool. I know when we go sort of further uh, up to the, the islands, we sometimes see flying fish. I've not caught any of those yet but I've seen lots of whales and lots of dolphins. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Thanks for sharing your perspe perspective with the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Head over to Facebook now and hit the like button. I've seen so many people from so many parts of Australia, uh, from Western Australia, from the East Coast of Australia, but also from around the world, really enjoying the experience of P&O's uh, Australian cruise line here on board Pacific Explorer. Today for us uh, really was a day of uh, lots and lots of interviews, as you've probably um, realized by now, speaking to lots of different people. So it's been fantastic to to have an opportunity to get the, uh, the perspectives of others and to see and hear about what makes this experience uh, exciting and wonderful for so many people. Uh, we participated in the cruise director's trivia today as well, which was, as I mentioned before, an absolute hoot. Uh, it's really fun, and uh, Frankie and Michelle did a great job keeping the crowd uh, entertained throughout that. Uh, lots of time up on deck today in the swimming pools uh, and enjoying the water slides once again uh, before um, you know arriving back into Fremantle tomorrow. So a couple of the highlights of today include a visit to the the spa on board the ship, um, and I was uh, very, very fortunate to be uh, given the opportunity to have a hot stone massage in there, and goodness me, really do feel like a, a new person. Um, it's uh, it's definitely worth trying out. Um, the, the staff were, were fantastic, and uh, it was a 50-minute hot stone massage, and you really do feel very rejuvenated and, uh, and refreshed in there. Nice atmosphere inside the spa. Um, there's mood lighting and they have music playing softly in the background. Uh, and uh, this, as I mentioned, the team there is just very, very uh, welcoming and uh, look after you well. So then we also had dinner tonight in the uh, Dragon Lady restaurant, which is the last of the restaurants that we've tried on board the ship. 
And I didn't really think that anything could top the, the ones that we'd already seen, but I think Dragon Lady might have, uh, might have won out as my favourite restaurant on the ship this time around. The service was fantastic and the food was just amazing. When you arrive, they bring out prawn crackers, which have got a, a sort of spicy seasoning on top of them, which were really tasty. Uh, and then there's uh, the menu has different uh, options. It has a, a, a starter option. It has the mains and, of course, desserts and then sides of um, either rice or vegetables or both. Uh, I ended up opting for the uh, chicken satay for my starter, which was Brilliant. It brings back actually some amazing uh, memories of flying on Malaysia Airlines and Singapore Airlines because that's, of course, their signature starting dish. Uh, given I've traveled quite a bit with those particular airlines, I, um, I, you know, it always sort of brings back that, uh, that memory when you have satay anywhere else. But the satay on this ship was just superb. Uh, and then I followed it on with a, um, a barramundi dish. I know I had barramundi the night before. But uh, it was done in a completely different way and just the flavors, the depth of flavor, um, it came with noodles and with mushrooms and it just had such a, an interesting sort of blend of flavors. It was fantastic. Um, as a side, uh, the uh, garlic fried rice was really good and it complemented the fish really nicely. Um, the steamed vegetables, of course, were, were delicious and added a bit of a healthy sort of kick to it. But the absolute showstopper, I think, was the dessert. And I went with the uh, spiced chocolate cake, uh, spiced chocolate pudding, I should say. Um, and there was also um, chai-flavoured ice cream and the two together are just fantastic. Um, and I really wasn't sure what to expect from chai-flavoured ice cream. It's the first time I've ever had it. And it was a really pleasant surprise and the flavours were just fantastic. So I think... I think if I had to choose, that would be my favorite meal uh, on the ship. But there were so many great meals uh, at the different restaurants. It was a, a real joy to be able to try all the different specialty restaurants um, from having you know breakfast in uh, Waterfront through to uh, lunches at um, the pantry and then uh, the specialty restaurants at, at dinner. Uh, of course, uh, 400 Grady. Luke's, Angelo's and Dragon Lady was really nice. And Dragon Lady and Angelo's is, is included in the fair. So it's, uh, it's complimentary. Anybody can go in there. And of course, the, the other ones, uh, Luke's and uh, 400 Grady, they do attract a, um, um, an extra price uh, per, per item on the menu. And we're very, very grateful to P&O Cruises for allowing us to experience that. There's photographs of every meal, which will be in the show notes. I've sent them over to Baz so you can have a look and see what you think of the dishes and uh, perhaps even tell us which one you might have chosen based on the photographs. So to round up this experience, well, P&O Australia is known for event voyages. And as we have uh, spoken about in the past, they have all sorts of uh, event cruises, but they've really done a great job with this one, which is such an unusual and unique voyage to be taking a ship to a place to see a, uh, an astronomical event like that, the, uh, the solar eclipse, um, bringing on board a, a really interesting uh, a mix of different people from different parts of the world, which is quite different from the usual uh, P&O Australia uh, crowd, which is generally Australian based and generally on the East Coast. Uh, now we've got people from all around the world here to experience this event. It's worked really, really well. The ship is a happy ship. The crew are a happy crew. Uh, people seem really overjoyed to be here um, and the atmosphere has been just fantastic on board. So it's been a real treat to be here and to, to bring you this, this special podcast. I'd like to send a special thank you to everybody who has participated in the podcast on this, uh, on this trip. Uh, it's been a, a real joy to have talked to everybody here, all the different people I've interviewed. Thank you so much. Uh, all the people who were involved in the enrichment program on board who made this uh, experience special uh, also a very big thank you to all of them um, a special shout out to matt dodd who was uh the one of the um speakers on board the ship but also he emceed a number of the events uh we had been trying to tee up a time to have a chat uh, about his his life and his career it looks like at the time that i'm recording this that we might have just um, missed missed that because of a few um, technical problems that I had, uh, but uh, I'd like to thank him as well for for his for his time and consideration to participate in the podcast. Uh, from a behind the scenes point of view, I'd like to send out a, a huge thanks 
um, Tapana from the guest services department. He helped organize all of the different uh, events that we've participated with on board the ship. Um, also, I'd like to send a big thank you to Marianne, the restaurant manager, uh, who helped uh, with all the restaurant reservations, and also to Rish, who is the maitre d' across the ship, whose uh, team has done such a fantastic job uh, at looking after us whilst we've been on board the ship. And a huge thank you as well to uh, Michelle Bartolo from the P&O uh, office in, in Australia for helping organise this and for her support of the podcast over the years, um, sending us, of course, um, lots of information about the P&O uh, cruises offering and all the different news pieces that have been happening, which we've been covering for the last uh, sort of 18 months or so. So I'd like to thank a big thank you to her as well. So thanks so much to everybody for listening. I hope you found this an interesting experience. I hope you enjoy the photographs in the show notes because they really do um, help complement the, the audio so you can kind of see what we've been talking about. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks once again. From me on board Pacific Explorer, back to you, Baz. Wow, Chris, what a cruise, what an adventure. You've uh, done a great job there bringing uh, to life everything that has happened on board uh, Pacific Adventures, and thank you uh, to yourself as well. I just also want to back up Chris, everybody that he thanked from the, the Shoreside team in Sydney to everybody on the ship uh, from the, the crew and officers, but also for those people that joined the show to share their experiences from Conrad to Neville to Rocky to Professor Jonty to Joe to Frankie, the cruise director. Thank you. It really means a lot that you've taken your time to, uh, to join the podcast. And uh, I'm sure you listening have really uh, enjoyed this as well. So without further ado, I think we'll wrap this one up. Uh, thank you again to P&O Cruises Australia. And uh, we'll be back with a regular show in two weeks' time. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.